Repodcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. Yes, we're not in the same room anymore. And I just want to say to anyone who's listening, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Oh, so polite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's toss the politeness out the window because our episode today is part of our, I'll call it a series, um, the second so far in our series of taking away Oscars from the alleged perverts of Hollywood. I feel like we should call this, uh, like this series, Give Me Your Oscar Perv. <laughs> <laughs> this one is the Kevin Spacey edition. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So, um, Kevin Spacey... So you oh. Maybe you could just quickly explain what this is. Okay, sure. So, our first episode about this was Rain Man, a couple episodes back. And Janet and I were, well, I won't speak for Janet, but I was certainly frustrated with, um, it was at the time before the Oscars, when I, it was a couple years ago, the year that Casey Affleck won, maybe it was even last year. I have no concept of time anymore. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So, um, you know, he had been winning many awards in all of the different, uh, ceremonies and everything. And I was getting frustrated and I felt pretty confident that he was going to win the Oscar. And, at this same time, it had come out that he had sexually harassed at least two women on the set of a movie that he had worked on. And um, I do struggle with separating art from the artist. And, you know, is it fair to judge a performance based on the person? I mean, that's tricky for sure. But I also think that it's not great to reward these people with this bad behavior who are behaving badly in their work situations. Like we're not talking about their personal lives, even like this is in a work setting. He's sexually harassing women on the set. So I don't think it's cool to reward his behavior. Yeah. Well, so our first, the first one we did was Dustin Hoffman because I mean, we're not going to get into it. You can always Google it. It's all on the internet, but, and with Kevin Spacey, I mean, there's, you know, again, like, we're not going to get into it. It's all alleged, right? We don't want anyone coming to us <laughs> with lawsuits <laughs> trying to sue repodcasting. Um, but, you know, if you're curious about it, like, just Google Kevin Spacey because I feel like the world knows about this. It, it came out last year, but... Yeah, was, this one was quite high profile. Yeah. And so Kevin Spacey has won um, a best male actor, like lead actor Oscar for the movie American Beauty. And so we will today be recasting his role in that movie to get him out of there and take away his Oscar. (laughs) As we should. 
So I did pick this one. He was one of the first people I thought of when we kind of talked about this whole series. And American Beauty was a movie that hit me hard. Um, I was 19 when I saw it, and it was definitely unlike anything I had seen before. And his performance, I was super impressed with. The whole movie, I think, is incredible, or I thought was incredible. <laughs> and so this is actually kind of a hard one. It was a hard one to rewatch because... Because I love it so much, and like I hadn't seen it since finding out that Kevin Spacey is allegedly a big old perv, so I didn't really want to watch it. It's kind of like I haven't seen The Cosby Show since everything came out about Bill Cosby. <laughs> It is very old. Mm -hmm. But it was like really, and you know, to be honest, to watch it now, it's probably pretty tame compared to what we're used to in cinema. But at the time, it was really different. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Did it do well at the box office, Janet? Oh, did it do well. <laughs> um, so the budget for this movie was $15 million. Um, which I guess 20 years ago, that was pretty big deal, I would think. Yeah, right? especially for that kind of movie. It's not like a big blockbuster action movie. Yeah. Um, so they got Sam Mendes mm -hmm. uh, to direct it. This was his film directorial debut. I know. Because before this, he had uh, been a theater director mm -hmm. in got his start in London, and he had achieved quite a bit of success as a theater director. So I think that probably helped get the financing for it as well, right? He was, even though it was his, like, film directorial debut, like, he was pretty accomplished. So box office, I was shocked when I saw this number. So it made $356 million worldwide. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was really surprised. We did The Grinch last month for our holiday special, and I mean, it made more money than The Grinch. Wow. When you think about it, this was a movie that came out in 1999, so this is, a, you know, a 20-year-old movie, and it's, you know, it doesn't have superheroes in it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a built-in audience. Like, when you think that it made that much money, that's impressive. Yeah, for sure. And even all the people in it were good actors, well-known actors, but not, like, not superstar status. Yeah. So for it to make that kind of money, that's really a feat. Yeah, that's huge. Mm -hmm. sure. That's funny. I saw it on home video. I didn't see it in the theater. And I didn't remember hearing that much about it. I didn't realize that it was that big of a hit in the theaters. Yeah, wow. Which Amazing. Is great. I mean, it was very successful. I mean, you may, you're making $356 million on a $15 million budget. That, yeah. that is considered <laughs> a success. Okay, well, um, the synopsis of the movie is that a sexually frustrated suburban father has a midlife crisis after becoming infatuated with his daughter's best friend. And, yes. I mean, even just the synopsis, that's shocking that that movie would make that much money because... Right, it's right in the synopsis. It's creepy. Well, you know, like, the thing is, the synopsis, yes, that sort of sums it up, but I feel like this movie is about 
so much more than that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I feel that the focus of the movie became Lester and, like, the fact that he, you know, is infatuated with his daughter's friend. Mm-hmm. But... Like, I I think you kind of have to look at this movie as a whole because there's so much more going on than just that. Like, really, to me, when I was watching it, like, it's a portrayal of, like, a really complex family situation that's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Even, you know, the opening sequence, like, you see all the members of the family, like, you see the daughter, and then you see Annette Bening's character, and then you see Lester. So... I feel that, like, the focus became Lester, but I think it's the movie is about so much more than that. Yeah, and it's very much, I don't know if I'd say an indictment, but, like, a criticism of suburban life of what it was at that time, and probably still yeah, is. Like, I feel like it's a satire. Like yeah. a satire mm-hmm. of suburban, American suburban life. Or- right. Yeah, well, do you know why it's called American Beauty? Yes. Oh, okay. Do you, want, do you want to tell her? <laughs> you should American Beauty is a breed of rose that is, while beautiful in appearance, tends to rot under the surface in its roots. Well, the tagline of the movie is look closer. Right. Like I said, I feel like that whole Lester storyline, like so many people zeroed in on that and people would describe the movie and they'd say that that's what it was about. Yeah. You know, just an example. I saw this movie for the first time like a few days ago. Right. I had never seen it Mm -hmm. initially when it came out. But I had quite a few friends who did go and watch it and were telling me about it and... When they described the movie to me, they always described that it was about Lester, you know, that he falls in love or, you know, is obsessed or whatever you want to call it with his daughter's friend. And that's what they would say that the movie was about. And it's like, you know, it's like the tagline says, you have to look closer. Yeah. To me, that's not what the movie is about. That's part of what the movie is about. But there's a lot of, of other things going on. Yeah. Well, so since you brought it up that you'd never seen it before, I am dying to know if you liked it or not. I actually really enjoyed it. I know that we had, like, offline we had talked about this, and I was like, oh, I I really think I'm going to hate this movie. (laughs) And uh, No, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very well done. Yeah. You know, it's Sam Mendes. He's a great director. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that he certainly had a lot to do with the fact that it is such a great story. You know, it's a solid script. Yeah. It's really good writing. The characters, it's like this intriguing web of characters. So it's all really solid. Like, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good story. So I did like it. Yay. I'm glad to hear that. Because, I mean, I'll say this. I didn't like it as much as I had at first. Um, but that was also because I gave it like a hundred percent the first time I saw it, but I still thought it was fantastic. Yeah. You know, I'm actually glad that I saw this now Mm -hmm. as opposed to 20 years ago, because I think had I seen this when it first came out, I don't think that I had the emotional maturity to sort of connect with the story and to maybe not understand but I think 
20 years ago, like, I would not have maybe appreciated the story as I do, like, now that I'm older. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of themes that are going on in the movie that I think maybe when you're young, like, I don't know, I felt that, I don't think I would have connected to the movie. Not that I necessarily connect to the themes, but I think I just maybe had a better, like, just emotional sort of understanding of what was going on. So I'm glad that I didn't watch it 20 years ago, because I think if I had watched it 20 years ago, I wouldn't have liked it. Oh, okay. Interesting. I was at a stage where I was like, suburbia is stupid, and this guy is sticking it to the man. Like, to me, I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. (laughs) You were 19. Like, I'm surprised that this was a story that you enjoyed at that age. Yeah, me too, actually. Because I was a very, I hadn't seen a ton of cinema at that point, at least not of, like, various types of cinema. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This one spoke to me big time. You were an old soul. (laughs) Perhaps. How about we get into the casting? Okay, well, I thought that watching it now, I hate to admit it, but I still think that Kevin Spacey had an excellent performance. I think he did a really good job. But I also think that, especially the scene where he is about to have sex with Angela, um, it's just upsetting and creepy. And I mean, maybe it's supposed to be, but I don't know. I just, I felt like there was maybe somebody who could make the character a little more likable if you even can be in that situation. And so I actually thought of John C. Riley. Oh, no way. Who, yeah, who I know you picked him last month, but uh, once he got into my head. What was, John, what was John C. Riley doing in 1999? I am pretty sure that Magnolia came out in 1999. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So while he wasn't the star of that, um, he had already been exposed to, especially to indie cinema. So yeah, I think he could have done it. Sorry, I'm going to interject here. So it's interesting because when, I'm sure you came across this when you were doing your research, when Sam Mendes was like thinking of casting, like his first choice was Kevin Spacey. Yes. That was the person that he had in mind. And he said that because the studio mm-hmm. wanted bigger names, right? right? Yeah. And he said that he didn't want a big name actor. He didn't want a big star weighing the film down. And I thought that was an interesting take. Mm-hmm. It certainly paid off. <laughs> um yeah. But yeah, I think he was right, though. Because, Well, I mean, me personally, I already knew Kevin Spacey um, from The Usual Suspects at that point. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess Kevin Spacey compared to some of the other um, actors that the studio yeah. wanted, I guess Kevin Spacey at the time was not considered a big name. Right. So... Yeah, and John C. Riley wasn't a big name at that point either, right? Mm-hmm. So. And, um, like, he would have had to undergo a physical transformation, <laughs> but he would be, like, you know, 
good. I think he'd be good at like the schlubby, uh, weighed down by the world kind of guy at the beginning. And, um, and I think he's, a, he can be really, really likable. So I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's supposed to be likable, quite frankly, but I think he is. Yeah, I think John C. Riley definitely could do it. I mean, you know, as I said, I cast him when we did our holiday episode of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I cast him as the Grinch. I think John C. Riley can definitely play dramatic roles, mm-hmm. even though a lot of the times we don't think of him that way. Like, yeah. you think comedy yep. when you think of him, you associate. But I think he can definitely do dramatic roles. But here's the thing. You know how you're saying Lester is supposed to be sort of, a, you know, like a schlubby kind of character. You know why I sort of didn't buy into that schlubbiness? Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the portrayal of his wife, like <laughs> Annette Benning's character, Carolyn, mm-hmm. would you believe that Carolyn would have married a schlubby man? But that's the point. He wasn't schlubby before they got married or when they got married. If but how, do we know that for certain? Well, that's the way that they speak. I feel like they Im- infer that because, or sorry, imply. <laughs> um, Absolutely. The world has beaten him down. His wife clearly rules the roost. And so he has just kind of lost all agency over his own life. That's how I took it as. Okay. So I don't think he started off schlubby. But so then you believe that Annette Benning would have married a schlub? No, not Annette <laughs> Benning. Her character. No, I know, I know. <laughs> she, she sure didn't. Fucked with like five hundred women. Because he doesn't, like, seem to take charge or make decisions. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe she's had to become that person because Lester is just so passive. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, I don't know. I don't think a character like Carolyn would marry a passive man. Well... I could be wrong. I mean, we're totally... You know, I'm deep diving here and, like, really maybe overanalyzing it. But I don't... That's why I kind of... No, it's good because I'll say this. I think that if she already were that person, like this super driven to the point of like being a harpy or whatever you want to call it, if she were already that person, then she probably would marry a really passive person because she'd know that she could just make all the decisions and steamroll them. And so it would work in her favor that she wouldn't constantly be having to fight with her husband over making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's no, no, but I'm not saying that's my opinion. So then in the other side, then if that's the case, then I think it also makes sense that she maybe married like because it's also seems like they were kind of young when they got married. So you don't really know 
who you are or what you want. I mean, they seem to have also, at least the way Lester speaks, they seemed to have wanted different things when they were younger. And then it sort of became this, like, I need the best looking house, the best car, like the nicest, whatever. Like, I need this picture perfect life. I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I think both of them devolved into what they are. Um, well, there's nothing else to say. I mean, I think he's a fantastic actor, and he would have done a great job. Was he your only choice? No, he wasn't, but I think you're going to laugh at my other choice. No, tell me. <laughs> okay, so, if it were Johnny Depp... <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah. If we start him off with, like, the bloated tourist face, the tourist face... <laughs> Yeah, but I think he like beefed up for that role or like not maybe not beefed up is the word he chubbed up for that role. So yeah, I think he could play schlubby and I think he would be willing to go through the physical change because that's the kind of actor he is, right? Um, so I think you could make him look unappealing if you wanted to. I know, he is. <laughs> and then imagine when he, like, starts to take back his life and he starts to work out and beef himself up, and then he'd be so good-looking. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and that is something I'll say, because I personally don't find Kevin Spacey attractive and not just when he is at the beginning of the movie when he's supposed to be unattractive like I think he like looks fine at the end but I don't think he's good looking and so I don't really buy Angela's I mean she's just doing it because he's giving her attention I guess but still like the way that she's like I think your dad's hot I feel like if it were Johnny Depp I could buy it (laughs) (laughs) Of course, next to Kevin Spacey. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. No. Yeah. And Sasquatch is Kevin Spacey. Like, if I have to, like, clarify Sasquatch, Kevin Spacey is the Sasquatch in that equation. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Do you have more than one? Um, I, I did have more than one. Okay. Um, but yeah, so one of the reasons that I abstained from watching this movie for so long is because Kevin Spacey was in it. Oh. <laughs> I am not a Kevin Spacey fan, nor have I ever been a Kevin Spacey fan. Okay. <laughs> I really don't like Kevin Spacey. Like, he is one of those actors that I... Purposely, if I knew he was in a movie, I would purposely not watch it because he bugs me that much. Well, your instincts were right. (laughs) So when this stuff all came out about him last year, like I was just kind of like, "Mm, yeah, like I've been saying this about (laughs) him for the longest time to people who were always like, no, Kevin Spacey is great. What are you talking about? And And I mean, Personally, there was, I mean, I don't know him 
about Kevin Spacey that he, to me, he always came across as someone who was so smug and pretentious and arrogant. Yeah, this movie would not have helped that. <laughs> I would see him in interviews when he'd be promoting things or whatever, and it was just, he was so smug. And yeah. it was always like, I just want to punch that smugness off his face. Like, <laughs> he really bothered me. So that was why I never watched this movie. And if we weren't doing this, I probably still never would have watched it. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't stand him as okay. an actor and as a person. So, like, for me, he was the wrong casting choice right off the bat. Like, okay. you know, maybe Sam Mendes thought he was awesome and that's fine. And, I mean, he won the Best Actor Academy Award for his performance. Yeah. So, you know, obviously someone enjoyed him in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, in my opinion, he is not Lester Burnham. And in my opinion, he's actually the worst thing in this movie. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, the movie itself is, like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. But he wrecked this movie for me because okay. I don't think he belongs in it and I just want to quickly like as an aside say that for me like the MVPs in this movie were Annette Benning and Wes Bentley okay like I thought that those were the two best performances in this movie like Annette Benning I don't think she was nominated for an Oscar for this movie and she totally should have been I mean I don't know who, like, she would, she would she, have been up against that year, but... She was nominated, but she didn't win. Oh, was she? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, she totally deserved it. Mm -hmm. She was outstanding. Like, she was excellent. And uh, Wes Bentley as well. Like, he was so good as Ricky Fitz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, Annette Benning yeah. was absolutely incredible. Like, I was so... I think she should have won the Oscar. Forget just being nominated. <laughs> oh, like... Yeah. Which is great. Uh, and yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like this movie, it almost became like it was the Kevin Spacey show. Yeah. And it's like, no, this isn't the Kevin <laughs> Spacey show. This is a collaborative effort. It's a movie. It's yeah. not like a one-man show. Um, but yeah, like to me, he was like the wrong, the wrong actor for sure. So when I started going through my casting search for Lester... Um, like, I had, like, a little checklist that I was going through, right? And I didn't necessarily want a big name. Like, I kind of agreed with Sam Mendes on on that level. It didn't necessarily have to be a big name because it's a big picture. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. the movie itself, there's a lot going on. I don't think you necessarily needed big names to sell the, the movie. Yeah. I'm, it helped. I'm sure if they if they would have had bigger names, but maybe it would have detracted from it. So I think he was right in that instance. Mm -hmm. I did, however, want someone that was going to be really adept at handling this kind of complex material in okay. terms of the script. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There was so much going on. There's so many themes going on in the movie. I felt like it had to be somebody who was really strong, like could handle that. I wanted somebody who could really evoke that sense of loneliness okay. that you get from the Lester character. And I'm not saying that Kevin Spacey didn't hit some of the notes, but I 
others who could have done it better. Right. Definitely. Because I didn't necessarily like the way he played Lester. So, you know, I, I definitely wanted someone who could evoke that loneliness and also someone who could portray that thirstiness of his character, like when he finally meets <laughs> Angela and he's like so hot for her. Yeah. So I wanted an actor who could play that thirstiness without making you feel like super dirty watching it. Yeah. Because I felt like Kevin, and like that's the thing, maybe he was directed to play it that way. I don't know. But watching him personally, he, there's just something about him like it was so creepy. Mm -hmm. And I know like maybe that it is creepy that a man, you know, is going through like this midlife crisis and wants to sleep with this underage girl. There is definitely a creep factor to that, of course. But... I don't know. I think I wanted someone who was maybe a little more, I don't want to use the word charming, okay. but, you know, I didn't want someone who makes you feel like you have to dial 911. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how I felt with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And also, I think most importantly, I wanted someone who could really hold their own opposite Annette Benning. Yeah. Because her performance is so strong and she's such an amazing actress that like I wanted somebody who could match her talent who was her peer yes it has to be someone who's a really strong scene partner for her so I picked Stanley Tucci oh yeah and I mean he had done some work by the time this movie came out oh, like yeah. his big thing like people started to know him when uh, he did Big Night mm-hmm I did. I felt like that was like his breakthrough. That mm -hmm. was when people noticed him and started talking about him. But, you know, the thing is, Stanley Tucci's had this amazing long career now, but he's definitely like a gifted actor and yeah. he's really strong and I think he could have done it and it would have been really interesting to see what this role could have done for his career. Yeah. I think he would have been up to the challenge of doing it. I think that he has... The, the capability, the range as an actor, he's strong. I think he definitely could have played Lester. And, I mean, he's still kind of got that sort of schlubbiness to him, sort <laughs> of. I think he could have played that. Yeah. Definitely. I um, like it. I, I don't think that we've seen him too often in leading roles, and we should. Yeah. Yeah. Annette Benning for sure. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen the chemistry between them. And I think he's just, he doesn't come across as creepy as Kevin Spacey does. Yeah. Uh, Stanley Tucci just naturally has this likability about him. And I don't know that we're necessarily supposed to like Lester, but I think we're supposed to sympathize with Lester for sure. Not necessarily feel sorry for him, but. I think, you know, uh, we're supposed to have some empathy for him, right? Yeah, I think so. And um, I just would have really loved to have seen Stanley Tucci's uh, take on it. Yeah. But the other two actors that I looked at, um, I looked at Greg Kinnear. Oh. Because I think he could have done it too. I think that he would have maybe not... He's not someone that you would think of right off the bat. No, definitely not. But 
yes. she's attractive too. I think Stanley Tucci is much better looking than Kevin Spacey, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Anyway. I agree. Um, but uh, again, Greg Kinnear probably would have been a better looking Lester, mm -hmm. right? Maybe a little bit more believable that Angela might want to sleep with him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Same thing with Stanley Tucci. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a matter of preference, but I think if you put Stanley Tucci next to Kevin Spacey, <laughs> I think 20 years ago, I think you would believe that maybe Angela would want to sleep with Stanley Tucci as opposed to yeah. Kevin Spacey. Yep. It's funny because when I was doing the research on this movie, apparently they offered the role of Angela to Kirsten Dunst. Yep. And one of the things that she said was that she didn't want to take it because she didn't want to have to kiss Kevin <laughs> Spacey. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. We're supposed to believe that, like, Angela wants to sleep with this guy. I don't know how believable that was. Yeah. That she would want to sleep with Kevin Spacey. So I chose Stanley Tucci was my first choice. Uh, Greg Kinnear was my second choice. And mm -hmm. then I had a third choice. Okay. But he would have been, like, a bigger name. And I'm not sure that he would have been necessary. Maybe he would have been too big for the role. Okay. But I thought Daniel Day-Lewis oh. would have been interesting, too. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, he's an incredible actor. He could do anything. So he could definitely play Lester. But then I thought, I don't know, maybe he's too good-looking and, like, to be believable as a Lester. I think... How can I put this? Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, could do it, obviously. Yeah, he could he could play a shoe and he'd be believable. <laughs> but I feel like he's too much for the role. <laughs> yeah, that's why he was my third choice. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, well, that's why I like that, yeah. Man, I'd like to see that, though. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd be too attractive to be a Lester. More than Greg Kinnear? Oh, okay. So, yeah. That's where we differ. <laughs> okay, cool. I really, really like Stanley Tucci. I like the idea of him in that role. Oh, I love Stanley Tucci. Me too. You know what? For anyone who's listening who doesn't know who Stanley Tucci is, I feel like everybody should know who he is. Yeah. Um, if you don't know who he is, I implore you to Google Stanley Tucci and uh, yeah, and definitely check out some of his work because he's such a great actor. He really is. Yeah, I just realized that we didn't mention any, for the most part, we didn't mention any roles of any of the people we picked, but I feel like they're all well-known enough that people should know who we're talking about. ATP knows that being an entrepreneur and business owner has its challenges. That's why they've created their Entrepreneur Centers. So whether you're dreaming, building, or growing, you can access a powerful set of tools to help your business and personal finances grow together. With locations in Edmonton, Calgary, and Lethbridge, and monthly pop-ups across the province, it's just one more way ATB is helping to reinvent banking. Visit atbentrepreneurcenter.com to find the closest location to you. And now back to the show. So you brought up that Kirsten Dunst was one of the people offered the role of Angela. There were quite a few alternatives to all, like many of the roles that I saw that I thought were really interesting, and I'd like to mention them. Yeah, of course, please do. So apart from Kirsten Dunst, Sarah Michelle Gellar was also considered, as well as Brittany Murphy and Katie Holmes. 
They all turned it down. Mm-hmm. Maybe for similar reasons as Kirsten Dunst. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Can you blame them? <laughs> no, not at all. Because, you know, here's the thing. Kevin Spacey also, I mean, maybe he wasn't an asshole at that point <laughs> in his career, but over the years, he's become known as being kind of a jerk mm. to work with. That was always sort of the rumor that he was very difficult yeah. to work with. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. It's all hearsay, but sure. I've certainly heard whisperings of that. But, I mean... You, I think you're probably right about the smugness. I don't think it's just like, I think that's who he is. And so it would make sense that then he'd be difficult to work with, especially after, I can't remember now, I should have written it down. I think he might have also won a Best Supporting Actor for The Usual Suspects before this. If not, he was definitely nominated. And so he was getting accolades, and especially after a movie like this, where he won the Oscar and won so many other awards, I'm sure he was super smug after that. Yeah, I was never a Kevin Spacey fan, ever. Right. And I saw a lot of his work because my sister was a huge Kevin Spacey fan. Okay. Like she thought he was just the best actor on the planet. <laughs> and so I like ended up being dragged to see <laughs> a lot of his movies, right? And yeah. I just never get into his work. Okay. I could never get into him as an actor. For me, it was The Usual Suspects. That was the first Kevin Spacey movie that I remember seeing him in. And um, I think he is really good in that. And then this was probably the second. So in these two particular roles, I do think that he was excellent. And I did become a fan because of it. And then I did go see more of his work and nothing else ever really lived up to it. But I will still stand by like those two roles. I think he did a good job. Yeah. So you're not alone in your opinion. Sure. And yeah, I don't know. He just never did it for me. Yeah. So do you know who was originally offered the role of Lester Burnham? I saw a few different names. Yeah. Why don't you share with us, Lucia, who those people were? Okay. The first two names that I saw were Tom Hanks, who I honestly... I thought of him when I was recasting because, like I said, I was looking for somebody more likable. And I mean, Tom Hanks is known as a super, super likable person. And so I thought it was funny that he was originally offered the role. And then Chevy Chase apparently was also offered the role. No. Yeah. Where did you see that? Like, what was your reference for that? Do you remember? I saw it on IMDb. So... I mean, okay, let's take this with a grain of salt because as far as I know, these are user submitted, but generally I think that they check things before they, like you can submit something, but then I think it's checked before it's actually published. Oh, I see. I didn't see those names. My reference was Wikipedia and I saw a couple of names. One was, oh, what's his name? Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. I know, it's such a weird choice. That would not have been good at all. I saw a couple more after. Jeff Daniels was one that I saw who I also... Who's Jeff Daniels? He's Harry Dunn in Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) (laughs) No! Yeah. Oh my God. 
Yeah, that's another one who I really, really can't picture him as Lester Burnham. No. Can you see Jeff Daniels acting opposite Annette Benning? I mean, Jeff Daniels isn't a bad actor or anything, but no, he couldn't hold his own to Annette Benning in this movie. And um, another one that I saw was John Travolta. Yes, that was the other one. Okay. John Travolta, that was the one that I saw. Yeah. Which I also can't picture him at all in that role. No, no, I, I can't picture John Travolta in the Lester role at mm -hmm. all. And then Bruce Willis was also considered. Right, yeah, that was the other one I saw, Bruce Willis. Yeah, and then our favorite who is in everything else, Woody Harrelson, was also considered. No. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> you know, actually, who I thought of that I was surprised didn't come up was Kevin Bacon. Oh. Mm -hmm. How old would he have been at that time? Yeah, Kevin Bacon's about the right age because he's oh. 60. Yeah, what? Kevin Bacon, is, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Bacon is 60 years old. Wow. Yeah. He looks great. <laughs> Yeah. Or 42, I believe. Right, right. Yeah, Kevin Spacey would have been about the right, or wow. I mean, sorry, Kevin Bacon would have been around the same age, but I thought of him, but I don't know that Kevin Bacon would have been, uh, he was on my list as well, but I don't yeah. know. That. I could picture him more than some of the other people we just mentioned, but yeah, also yeah, I don't know that he'd be good. I was surprised, though, that his name didn't get sort of thrown into that yeah. kind of surprised me that he wasn't considered for it. Right, right. Now, I know we weren't recasting Ricky Fitz, but did you happen to see any other actors who were considered for that role? No, I didn't. Okay, because I think you'll like this. Jake Gyllenhaal was considered for Ricky Fitz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he could have done it. For sure. I think that would have been a really, really good pick. You know, yeah. I think with Wes Bentley, it's really kind of sad because he started having a lot of substance abuse problems after this movie, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. After he did this movie was when he really started to struggle with substance abuse. And then he kind of disappeared from the acting scene because right. of it, which is really a shame because, you know, you've got to wonder what his career would have looked like if he hadn't sort of left Hollywood when he did. Yeah. I mean, obviously he had issues. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he went and he took care of himself and that's great. And, you know, he's done, like, he started doing more work now. Like, he was in one of the Hunger Games movies. Yes. More than one. And, oh, yeah, that's right. And um, so that was kind of like his comeback. But, like, there's a gap there, right? There's yeah. all those years that he missed out. And, I mean, he was just, you see how amazing he was in this role <laughs> and as Ricky Fitz. And it's just yeah. like, wow, like... You know, what kind of work could we have seen? Like, what kind of roles? Like, there's so many people who maybe wouldn't have the careers that they have now if, like, Wes Bentley had still been on the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot he could have done. He he is really good in this. Oh, he was excellent. Okay, so uh, I just want to mention one more thing. Do you know who wrote the movie? It was... Yeah, I do. It was Alan Ball. Yeah, and he created Six Feet Under. Which I think has a really similar tone to this movie. Oh, I've never watched it. Oh, it's really good. I only saw the first two seasons. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, someday I'll finish it. 
but uh, but I really liked it. Six feet under. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna watch that. Okay. <laughs> Fair okay. enough. This is a, a fun fact about mm-hmm. Sam Mendes, the director. Of okay. The movie. Yeah. Did you know that he's of Portuguese ancestry? Oh my God! I was totally gonna ask you that because of his last name. He is. Nice. Represent. Wow. That is awesome. Any of our listeners, Lucia and I are also of Portuguese ancestry. So yes. We were pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, I always get like that when I find out somebody famous is Portuguese. <laughs> um, another little fun fact I don't know if you happen to see this about Sam Mendes, but he said that after all was said and done, he earned only $38,000 on this movie. Like, that was his take-home salary. What? tax and after agent commission. That's all he got paid. Oh, my God. This movie that won five Oscars and made $356 million. This guy only earned $38,000. I hope he switched agents after that. Good lord. No kidding. Oh, I'm so upset to hear that. He bounced back. Yeah, and I'd like to think he worked out better deals for the James Bond movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I do want to mention that Repodcasting is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Yes, the Alberta Podcast Network has an amazing variety of podcasts for your listening pleasure. If you are a movie lover, listen to the Laugh Out Loud podcast, Emily Missed Out. Join hosts Brianne and Emily as they watch popular movies that Emily has missed. And listen as they discuss whether Emily truly missed out on these classic gems. So listen to this and many other great podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Okay, thanks very much. And now it is time for our special segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. Oh no, what happened to the music? I forgot to set it up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no technical difficulties today, just human error. <laughs> I think I mean, I don't dislike it. <laughs> so it's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. And uh, Janet, would you like to go first? I can go first, sure. Okay. Oh. Who is the uh, the character who is having an affair with Annette Benning's character? Okay. And he's played by Peter Gallagher, which I was stoked to see <laughs> Peter Gallagher in this movie. I was like, because I always know him as the dad from the OC. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh my god, it's Seth Cohen's dad. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Tony Danza? 
like, yeah. Hello? Tony Danza, call me. <laughs> Cool. I am ashamed to say that I forgot to do it this time, (laughs) but that's why I asked you to go first. And, um, I think I would like to see him as Lester Burnham. Well, okay. Yeah, he could do it. I mean, I know like we've already talked about acting opposite Annette Bening and yeah, could he hold his own, you know, debatable. (laughs) Oh. As Lester. I think, you know, because Lester, a lot of people find Lester to be like a really despicable, pervy character, and I don't want people to think that of Tony <laughs> Well, that's just like one aspect of him. I know. <laughs> I, now listen to me, I'm like justifying his actions. No, I, I get why you would say that, and I don't totally disagree, but I'd like to see the transformation. I think that would be interesting to watch him do that from like the, you know, kind of schlubby guy to the buff, hot dad. You just want to watch Tony Danza like working out in his garage. Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> yeah, lifting weights. You bet. Yeah, totally. Okay, so I think that's it for uh, American Beauty. Would you recommend American Beauty to people? Would you recommend it? Hands down, I would. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, I I think it still is relevant. I think it's still a lot of it holds up. And most of the performances are absolutely incredible. We didn't mention Chris Cooper yet. So I will briefly say that I think he was really, really fantastic as Mr. Fitz. I don't remember what his first name was. Yeah. Like I say, I thought that the entire cast was excellent. Yeah. I enjoyed everyone except for Kevin Spacey. So it was perfect <laughs> that we were recasting that role and getting rid of him because to me, he was like the one thing that was mm wrong. Okay. All right. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. I think that this is definitely a classic movie in the sense that the themes that are focused on in the movie are still relevant in many ways today. I think that in some ways, like this might not translate to the time that we're living in the sense that there was really no diversity in the movie. So you kind of wonder like if this, let's say that this movie was made now, 20 years later, I feel like American Beauty is, is the kind of movie that people would be writing so many think pieces on. Yeah. Because you know how everybody writes a think piece about everything nowadays, <laughs> right? I feel like American Beauty would inspire so many think pieces. Yeah, you bet. If, if it was made today. And, like, there is that lack of diversity totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be about upper middle class suburban America, right? And I mean, and that's still what upper middle class America looks like, I think. In- yeah, maybe. But I think that even like today, there would be more diversity than there would have been in real life in 1999. Yeah, definitely. There would be more diversity. And I think that's something that I certainly asked myself while I was watching it. I was like, you know, who is the audience for this movie? Because I feel like watching this movie uh, might alienate a lot of Mm. people, right? Like, Mm -hmm. people might not be able to necessarily connect with these characters, like how white they are and, (laughs) you know, just how white the the neighborhood is and, like, that lack of diversity. So there was that aspect to it. but. I 
your brother-in-law on uh, <laughs> this episode again because I feel like this is the kind of movie that like they would be watching in film school and totally be analyzing and dissecting. It's one of those types of films. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, my brother-in-law is Dan, who was uh, our guest on the previous episode. Dan <laughs> Redson, who was our special guest on, the, uh, on our holiday episode. Yes. Yeah, I think that this probably, if it's not, it should be studied in film classes because, yeah, it is a really layered movie. There's a lot to it, and you do have to look closer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. so next month we will have uh, a special Valentine's Day episode. Janet, you can say what it is. This one was your choice. And uh, I just kind of want to state on record, I've already told you this, Janet, but I resent that you made me watch this movie for this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, listen, you had already read the book. <laughs> Not okay. by choice. It was a book yeah, club you, pick. You read the book. I just want to say that like, out of all of us who watched it and our special guest, you were the only one who had read the book, Lucia. Yes, but that was also forced upon me. <laughs> <laughs> we were ready to tackle yeah great <laughs> okay well hope you will tune in next month to hear us talk about and bash 50 shades of gray <laughs> yeah. and thanks janet for joining me on the phone yeah no thank you and thanks to everyone who's listening and who joined us and feel free to reach out to us if you, if you have any comments about kevin spacey or american <laughs> beauty or if you have a think piece you'd like to share with us yes. you can uh, find us on all the social media at repodcasting.com right like social media handles are all repodcasting and right. then you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com oh there you go i don't even know our own our gym that's okay that's okay janet we've only been doing this for a year <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you should. We need more emails. Okay. Well, thanks very much, and hope you tune in next month. Thanks. Bye. Bye.